This is the Let's Get Real Estate Show with your host, Danielle Chason. Full-time investor, strategic consultant, motivational coach, sought-after speaker, and host of your number one real estate investing show, Let's Get Real Estate, where real people are doing real estate. Hey, everybody. It's Danielle Chason here with the Let's Get Real Estate podcast. I'm really excited to share with you today our guest, Nick Skalkos. Um, he's a real estate investor just outside of the Toronto area. He invests out of province and, uh, I'm just so super excited to have Nick on today because he has a fantastic story to share with you guys. Hey everybody, it's Danielle Chason here with the Let's Get Real Estate podcast and I want to introduce everyone to Nick Scalcos, our guest today. Woo, woo. So excited to have him here. Nick, welcome to the show. Hey, hey, welcome everyone. Thanks for having me. Congratulations on this show and all of your success, Danielle. I really appreciate being here. Oh, thank you. Yeah, but today is about you, Nick. Thank you so much for that. But today is about you. I got so excited when I found out about um, your backstory. Now, just for our audience, I wanted to share a little bit, um, just wanted to say how we kind of connected. So I met up with uh, Nick Scalcos here um, in a Canadian mastermind that we're part of. It's the Synergy Mastermind. And um, it's just a group of, you know, high level investors that are doing lots of different things. And um, through that group, I was able to connect with Nick and learn a little bit about his backstory. And because of that, I, like your story is so inspiring, Nick. I really thought that it would be truly valuable for you to share with our audience because I think a lot of people can relate, you know. And um, so I just wanted to share that a little bit and your challenges that you had, you know, kind of rising up and uh, and, and getting to where you are today. So I'm super excited, super thrilled to share this with everybody who's listening. So welcome back, everybody. If you're listening, go ahead and smash that like button. If you're liking what you're hearing, um, subscribe if you don't want to miss any of our shows coming up. Uh, got lots of great things actually lined up for y'all um, in the lineup, too. So to no further ado, Nick, 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 tell me. Hey. Tell me a little, tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, I uh, currently reside in Cambridge, Ontario with my wife of 20 years. Uh, we live in our basement unit apartment still, um, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, which has its challenges. It's hard to, you know, work from home in a one bedroom basement apartment. Uh, but uh, we're doing it. I, um, I met my wife at uh, the restaurant I was working at at the time back in the year 2000. And we spontaneously got married at a Tim Hortons, which was uh, national news for some reason. Uh, just people found it very, you know, interesting. Like, why did you get married at a Tim Hortons? It was like a last minute thing. Uh, you know, there was letters to the editor. Oh, this, this marriage is going to last about two minutes, you know. And then there was other people, you know, saying, what are you talking about? This is the most romantic thing I've ever heard of. Just, you know, eloping to a local Tim Hortons and getting married. It was, it, it's a long story. I won't get into it. But we're, we're still together is my point and happy. And uh, she's, you know, she joins me now in, uh, in our real estate ventures. Um, how... I came to be is basically my, my family immigrated from Greece and um, and my 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 family isn't your typical Greek family. Um, 
my my father was uh, was very abusive, and I look back now and I realize he had mental issues. Uh, but at the time, you know, we didn't really understand much of this stuff. I've got a lot of brothers and sisters who I don't know. Um, a lot of them are a lot of them ran away and got hooked on drugs or just fell into the welfare system. Uh, and I basically don't keep in contact with any of my eight siblings. There's there's a couple that reach out to me once in a while, and I do the same. Uh, but aside from that, uh, you know, it's a very dysfunctional family. Um, you know, growing up, uh, there was a lot of abuse in the household. And by the time I was about six years old, the uh, system sort of uh, came in and, and took my father away and uh, placed me and my family in, in a, a variety of different shelters for battered women and children. So I kind of did the, the kind of did the tour of, of shelters around the KW area and, uh, you know, received a lot of support from, you know, organizations like food banks and Salvation Army. Um, you know, I remember Christmases just having a knock on the door in the Salvation Army with, you know, a box of canned foods and, and clothes and stuff. So, um, you know, it was uh, it was an interesting upbringing uh, for me. I I didn't know any better. I was loved. My mom was super supportive of of me, and uh, and so I, you know, by the time that I I was old enough to understand what was going on, I didn't I didn't ha I didn't get the brunt of it like my 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 brothers and sisters did. I feel bad for them. They didn't have a lot of choices to deal with or to to work with, and. Um, and I couldn't imagine uh, having an upbringing like they did, um, you know. But uh, at any rate, so um, once we separated my, my father from my mom and we were back, you know, living without him, uh, she just poured all her love into me and support. And, uh, you know, things were chaotic around the house, but I had an older brother that handed me a pair of drumsticks. And I just immediately knew what to do with them. It was in my soul. I loved music. I loved drumming and I would just grab pots and pans and pillows and just drum my drum my heart out and I just sort of you know drowned out the noise of the violence and everything else that was happening and I just fell into a deep uh, obsession with music so um, I knew that um, right from the right from when I was five I knew I wanted to be a professional drummer or a musician and I pursued my goal of doing that until I succeeded, you know, in high school, I joined many bands and then I started my own band called the miniatures. And I thought we were the most amazing thing. And I wanted to be the next U2, you know, and, uh, and, uh, we had shows and it was awesome. And I thought we were just so great. So then I started, um, you know, uh, mailing my demo tape out to record labels and I started getting rejection letters like left and right. And, uh, it was, really heartbreaking i couldn't get a break i tried uh to infiltrate um you know um networks and systems or i tried to infiltrate um sorry like uh what do you call them conferences there they have these like three-day you know music conferences where you can go and and meet you know musicians and learn more and you know maybe you know find out like how to get in you know and i was doing that whenever i could uh, I remember once I was walking around the streets of Toronto. It was 1995. No one knew who my band was. And I was outside the city TV building. And there was, uh, they were about to go into, they were coming from commercial and they were about to come back uh, to, you know, to the, to the segment. And I noticed and I read their script 
And I noticed that they were about to talk about North by Northeast, which was a conference that I was attending that weekend. So I, uh, I slipped in. I said, hey, you're going to this, you're, you're going to do a, a kind of expose on this band, King Cobb Steely, where I'm wearing a King Cobb Steely shirt. Why, don't, why doesn't the cameraman focus in on me? And then you can go to the host. And the host is just like, who is this kid? And the cameraman is just like, you know what? That's a good idea. Let's do that. So they just zoomed in on me. I then went to the host and then all my friends at home and then the band saw it and everything. And, uh, and they just got back to me. I was like, Oh my God, I just saw you on TV. But I mean, the reason why I'm sharing you with this with you is because it was just a little bit of an insight of some of the tactics and things that I would, that I would do to get noticed. Some of the hustle that, that I was doing, I was just, you know, I just, uh, Anything I could do, you know, I'd knocked on so many doors and, and we played so many shows and so many people like this, but yet I couldn't get a break. And then finally, after nine years of having just, you know, been rejected, I found a manager that had a silver tongue and he loved us. And he, when he spoke, I was captivated by just his character. It was just, he was a bulldozer. And he loved our music and then he just was like, who do we need to who do we need to know to get this to blow up? So we wrote down a list of names of who is the biggest who are the biggest names in the Canadian music industry, the biggest labels. And he got a meeting with them, went into their offices and just blew all the doors open. And then from then on in, it was a bidding war amongst all the record labels in Canada. It was just a lot of attention and all of a sudden here we were in the midst of it. There was record labels fighting over us. So we finally decided to sign with uh, a record label called Maple Music Recordings, which was basically Universal Records. And from there, we went on to release two critically acclaimed albums. And uh, we had major success on rock radio stations across Canada over multiple singles. And same with Much Music. They loved us. I remember working. I was a server at a restaurant for 20 years in Waterloo. And uh, because that's really the only job I could do is the only job that allowed me to tour and, and come back. So I remember like trying to get ready for work and my video was being spun like five times, six times more than that on much music. And I'd go into the car and our song was being played on every station. I remember going through all my presets and, and from when I went to work, when I went from home to work, like I heard my song at least five times on five different stations. It was crazy. So I'd go into work and I'd serve the table and I'd hear my song on the radio. And I was like, hey, this is my song playing on the radio, to which the customers would, res would respond with, well, if you're on the radio, then what are you doing working here? It's just like, good point. <laughs> but that's the Canadian music industry. What they do is they fund you through government programs like Factor and Video Fact, uh, which is essentially taxpayers' money that goes into Canadian arts programs. And what this does is it funds music videos. And and basically, like in the States, it's different. you got to have hard cash to make a video. In Canada, you can get support, Canadian support. So it's possible to appear as though you're a big artist in Canada, but yet you're not like, that's just, it's all about perception basically. So what they do is the radio is just like, these are the, this is the next big thing. These guys are massive. You're not, but people are telling other people that that's the case. And that's the way the Canadian music industry works. So basically, you know, I was slamming on doors for knocking on doors for nine years, getting them slammed in my face. And then finally, boom, we got it. We started touring with, 
all of my favorite bands. All of a sudden I was meeting people that I was idolizing for years and I was in their backstage, you know, having drinks with them, sharing the stage with them, uh, playing with them in some cases and uh, just becoming friends with a lot of these people. And then I started another band called Spirits and that was amazing. We had some uh, fantastic success in, um, in South Africa and the UK. And uh, I toured with like Mal C from the Spice Girls. I got to play with my favorite band, the Pixies, who are highly influential. And after that, I ended up um, being a studio session drummer. So I started doing a lot of work with, uh, again, bands that I absolutely love. Like I was doing work with Len, you know, and like If You Steal My Sunshine, it's like one of the greatest songs ever. And all of a sudden here I am working with them. Um, I uh, got called in to do some work with City and Color, which yielded a platinum record. So I can now boast that I'm a platinum recording artist as well. And I started uh, managing bands and uh, just, you know, I just had this drive and it was unexplainable. And it's and I don't know how to share with people like how I got that drive. It was just a mix of I think my it was just a mix of growing up with having no. I felt like I had no options. I felt like this was it. I had to do this. This was like, I, I felt that if I had a plan B that I wouldn't have given it my all. And I just sort of would have went, well, okay, well, this isn't working. Let's try plan B, but plan B wasn't an option. And I've, and I feel that that allowed me to persevere and fight. Like I've never fought before, you know, when we did get released, when we did get signed to universal, um, our first video was a flop and nothing was happening. And my manager called me up and didn't know what to do. So I packed some of my bandmates up and I, I said, I don't know what we're doing, but we're doing something. So it's raining out right now. I don't care. We're going to Toronto. We're going to walk around the streets. I don't know what we're going to do, but we're just going to do something. And we went to Toronto. I had posters. I started talking to people. And that night was amazing. David Bowie was playing at the ACC. So uh, I snuck into the back and I met the opening act and I was hanging out with them at the buses and I was giving my CD out to, uh, you know, video DJ and DJs and, and, you know, like much music, uh, much music. Uh, what do you call them? Hosts. And um, I ran into um, a host of, uh, he was a DJ for 102.1 The Edge is a Toronto rock radio station. His name was Martin Street. Fortunately, he's passed away since, but he, uh, I met him. I just walked into the, the 102.1 studios as if I owned the place. I walked in and I started complaining about Toronto traffic. And he was just like, who the hell is this guy? And when it came to break, I told him who I was. I told him I was interested in playing some pool with him after the show. So he was like, okay. So we went and played pool. And I was just like, you know what? I know that my record label is hitting up that station. So I figure if I can put a face to that, maybe there could be a connection and we can make things happen. And then before you know it, they started playing us. And Martin was just like, I know that guy. That guy's really nice. And uh, yeah, I'll gladly spin their stuff. And then he started calling me into the studio to have like impromptu interviews. And it was, I honestly feel it was those little hustles, those little like, just I'm not willing to give up. I'm going to go meet whoever. Uh, I honestly believe that that was part of our success anyway. Um, and uh, so that led to, um, you know, national wide, um, you know, national wide coverage on, you know, we're on the covers of papers and, 
magazines and we were just everywhere, you know. And uh, so then I just, um, that, you know, in 2017, 2016, I think it was, I was doing a lot of producing and producing bands in my basement uh, apartment. And um, one of my favorite shows at the time was a show called Income Property, uh, hosted by Scott McGilvery. And my wife and I were just obsessed with watching how he would, you know, um, build suites and basement houses and uh, and provide people that were in trouble with a mortgage helper, you know, basically. And we were sitting in the exact same situation, you know, a house had a basement. I was using it for a studio, but uh, I was thinking about using it as an apartment. You know, we were kind of stuck in a corner in 2016. We had a lot of debt, no real way to get out. And I saw that uh, this guy, I love Scott McGilvery, was coming to town. He was going to talk about real estate. So I went to his event. I heard what he had to say. And I just thought it was pretty awesome. And I, uh, I just had a mental shift. And I was just like, maybe this real estate thing is, is for us. Um, and which was funny because when we first bought our home in 2008, I had no interest in owning a home. I hated being at the bank. I didn't want to talk about mortgages. I wasn't interested in mortgages or anything. It was my wife, as usual, that you know guided me into the right decision. I think everything that is good in my life came from Sarah, probably. You know, the decision to buy a house, the decision to, uh, you know, the decision to invest in real estate, the decision to eat the whole food plant based diet. Everything was just like, yeah, this is all really good for us. So. Now, when she makes a, a decision on our behalf, I'm sort of inclined to uh, follow suit and uh, take her advice on that. But when, but when sitting at, in this, uh, when we're sitting in this room listening to Mr. McGilvery speak, it was, I was fine with my life. I had a pretty awesome life, really. Um, I mean, it was, it was great. There was nothing I felt that really needed to change, although there was. I just didn't know it. She was a teacher and she did not want to do that until retirement. She wanted out. So she was basically like, you got to do this so that I can get out <laughs> of teaching. So, uh, you know, I was like, wow. Okay. So that was my why for the longest time is to have Sarah, you know, retire by the time I was 45 anyway. Um, yeah, so that's how I sort of I put music aside for the first time and uh, decided to turn my studio into a, a legal suite. But uh, but it was hard. It, it was a it was a tough struggle, and you know, and I believe that mindset is the most important thing to pay attention to when you're taking on an endeavor, whether it's you know wanting to. Uh, be successful in, in the music industry or be a successful real estate investor. I think it all starts with mindset. And I think everything that I've learned in the music industry, all of the hustles, all of the rejections, all of the challenges, I, I bring that with me now. And I'm fearless now. I'm, I'm just unstoppable because of my past experience, you know, just having no options, uh, not having the greatest upbringing and not having a choice, you know, and just having a, all or nothing attitude, I think, is uh, I, I contribute to to where I'm at today. Well, and that's you know I I love your story because you start from a very humble background where you didn't have it easy. Like you had to work and fight for essentially everything that you've gotten. And what happened, like when you shared your story with me, you shared that you know after high school 
you knew you wanted to become a musician. And so you said you had the option to go to college or follow your passion and do music. And that belief in yourself, which is exactly what you're talking about, the mindset. And that's why, that's why I wanted you to share your story so that we could talk about the importance of mindset and how the mindset will get you through the challenges. It'll get you through the hard parts of uh, obtaining success and get you to where you want to be. But truly, I think it's really rooted in belief in yourself as well. You just really believed. I mean, most most of us, I think, after having the door slammed in our face about 10, 10 times or so, we'd be like, okay, this isn't for me. This isn't meant to be, you know, and this, and we get, you know, we would just give up. And you just kept going because you're like, no, man, I can do this. I've got this. I just need a break. I just need to keep looking for that break and that that drive and that passion and really the belief in yourself, I think, fueled you to get there. So I think um, I would have to say this. It would be my guess that breaking into the music industry is a little bit harder than breaking into the real estate industry. So after you've done the whole music thing, I think it would be so much better, uh, so much easier for you to break into real estate. But again, you know, having a humble background, I mean, when you were a kid, this is probably something that you were never able to even imagine that you could obtain. So I just wanted to share a little bit with, you know, how do you with your background and not having any, I mean, it's, I also come from a humble background. So I understand when you look at it and you say, well, that's just not in the cards for me. And the people that you're surrounded with, because, you know, we are a product of our environment and we're influenced by our environment saying, yeah, that's just not for people like us or, you know, you're dreaming. You can never get that. You know, the thought of me becoming a millionaire when I was a kid was, you know, I mean, it was, yeah, but it's just one of the things you'd never be able to obtain. And now it's a reality for me. It's not something I would even think twice about. So like, how do you, what, how would you say, like, how did you overcome? Because that's really a challenge, I think, for a lot of people, um, getting over that one, I deserve it, two, I can make it happen. And, and just dealing with the naysayers, how would you say you were able to overcome all of that? How, how would you say you were able to just, block that out and say, no, I'm not buying into what you, the story you're telling me and I'm going to make my own story. So how would you say you've dealt with that? I think passion is a big one. If your passion is strong enough, it will, it will, uh, it will guide you. And, uh, yeah, I can't stress that enough. Uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta believe that you, First of all, you've got your your output has to be uh, of quality. Whatever it is you're doing, whether you're writing a song or you know uh, providing a, an opportunity, a real estate opportunity for someone, you you gotta have. It's got to be good, you know, and uh, and you gotta make you you just gotta have a high standard for yourself. You can't let anyone else set your standard. And what is success? I mean, you know, these are very difficult questions. You need to outline what success is. For me, success is, for music-wise, is, 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 you know, releasing an album that, that, is, that I feel it's awesome. I think it's great. And that, then 
when you're sitting when you're sitting in that position when you've got something that you're really proud of there is no opinion that's going to change that or, or or shake you because you're standing on something super solid and that their opinion is just their opinion and that's it and your version and success to you you've already accomplished success you know so um it's you know i think uh it's a tough one basically basically my dad and my mom often i would watch them with their head in their hands writing down their bills on a piece of paper and they were worrying they were worrying and uh there is nothing good that comes out of worrying it's just an illness almost and uh they thought that you know by sitting there worrying writing down bills that they were going to figure this out i grew up telling myself that i never ever ever wanted to be like that and the problem is is that we're we're all we're all sort of bound by these uh obsessive compulsive thoughts they're just they just never end and we give we let them in and we and we give them our full attention and uh and that's and no one ever told me that that's unhealthy you know i thought that i could think my way through an issue but or a problem but the truth is is that 98% of our thoughts are entirely useless um my dad my mom my brothers they don't they didn't have the tools to battle that you know this obsessive compulsive thinking that was just eating them alive and breaking them down and and stressing them out and deteriorating their health and getting in their way you can't be successful if you're bound by your own thoughts and you you really need the tools to get over that so one way you can do that is to just allow your thoughts to come in don't offer resistance just acknowledge that these thoughts are there and it's kind of like just watching traffic on a highway like and you can pretend those cars are thoughts you could be in on the yellow line with those thoughts around you completely immersed in it but what i found it's better to be the observer get on that hill look down at that highway where all the cars are in the in the traffic and those are your thoughts you're the observer now the thoughts are still there you're not stopping them you're just sort of observing that they're there and but you're on this hill you're no more in the middle of this traffic now you're in a position to do something with yourself and you could you could take that you're in the present moment and in the present moment is where the magic happens that's that's where life is like what time is it it's now that's that's what time it is it and these are these are the tools that i wish my father had i wish my mother had and i uh i just can't express how important that is to have i think what you're saying as far as being present is so powerful because ultimately all of those thoughts that you're describing are and i love your analogy because i'm going to i'm going to dovetail on that a little bit um because those thoughts when you jump in the car of that thought it's taking you somewhere and you're not in control and so if you can be present 
And then just let those thoughts, because those thoughts are typically all things that are going to either happen in the future or things that have happened in the past. And so, um, you know, anxiety is something that can, you know, thoughts that anxiety is created by thoughts of things that could happen in the future. And typically depression are from thoughts that things have happened in the past. And so when you, when you focus on either, or, um, it doesn't necessarily bring you to great place. And what's happening is your thoughts are then starting to control you and your decision-making, your actions and what follows. So I love what you're saying is to be present. What can I do now? What can I do now to just get me closer to where I want to go? And as long as you can, um, uh, make sure that that action will keep you in alignment, moving you towards your goals you're being present while still focusing sort of somewhat on the future, but you take control by being in the present. So I love that. I absolutely love that, Nick. Um, And I think, you know, if I were to venture, tell me if I'm wrong, but when you were door knocking, you weren't focused on all of those no's. You were focused simply on the yes that you're going to get. And so, you know, the no came and you'd fall down, you'd pick yourself back up and then go to the next door and door knock at the door, slam in your face and then fall down and then pick yourself back up and say, no, you know what? I just need to keep my actions in the present focused on getting me closer to where I want to be in the future rather than I'm going to keep knocking on doors and I'm going to keep getting the door slammed in my face, which is a thought of what the future could hold, which then would dictate your action to quit. And so I think that's really, really powerful, Nick. Um, super powerful. Now, I, you know, because this is a kind of, I mean, it's let's get real estate show. It's a real estate show and you've moved into real estate. Now, here's where I kind of want to go with this, because how does a guy in music who knows nothing about now on our, we, you know, when, when we were talking, um, you know, it was kind of like, well, how does a guy who really, I mean, you're an artistic type. You don't want to deal with admin. You don't want to deal with vetting properties, running numbers, all of that. Like your personality is so none of that. So how does a guy, and obviously it's your wife, Sarah, who's behind you kind of being that support system. They say behind every great man is a great woman. So, um, and that would be Sarah. Um, so a little shout out to her. Um, but anyway, yeah, yeah, so I think, exactly. um, so, I, you know, I think, but how, how do you do that? I mean, ultimately, like you were the one that was taking the initiative going out and making it happen. And so how, how do you, again, I, I don't know, cause you said passion drove you with the music stuff. Was it passion that drove you to real estate? And then for somebody who knew nothing, which again is where it's inspiring to our audience. How does somebody who knows nothing about real estate break into the real estate industry because I know there's a lot of people in the audience that wants to be in real estate or wants to break into real estate or maybe buy their first property or maybe their first investment property. Like what is it that you are able to do in order to make it happen for you? Well, great question. Um, you know, you, I think it's easier if you're in a corner. I think it's easier if your back's up against the wall. I think it's easier if it's not an option and, and you feel like you have to do it. I really do. Um, I, you know, I attribute my drive to making it happen in real estate to uh, living in a basement and not wanting to be here anymore. You know, looking at how my life would 
how's my life going to roll out if I don't make a difference right now? You know, and if the answer is, well, you'll still be in the same spot and then that's not acceptable to you, then that's your drive. That's your, that's your passion is, is to get out of this position and, and get, and get to where you want to be. And I just simply believed that I could do that, you know, because I've, I've accomplished so many of my other goals before. So I had that confidence in myself. And, and just one more tip of advice here, uh, when you were, when you were mentioning, you know, knocking on doors and getting knocked down and getting back up again to do that. Well, getting back up is harder if you've got a big bag of baggage because you're just heavier. So this goes to, you know, um, your story. Like I don't, I have a story yeah, and I share my story, but it's not who I am. You know, a lot of people will will take their story. I've, you know, I've had a rough upbringing. Uh, I grew up with no food and, you know, I was physically abused and they'll carry that with them everywhere they go. So, and it just gets heavier and heavier and they're just bringing it with them. And so you get knocked down, you try to get back up again. It's a lot harder. So you got to shed this notion of who you are. If someone was to tell me, like, you don't know who you are, I would respond with a thank you because that's my answer. I don't know who I am. And anyone who tells me that they do know who they are, that's just a mental construct that you're creating, you know, a facade, really, of like, this is my story and this is who I am. And you're bringing this with you everywhere. And uh, so that's it. You know, you can't do that. So shed that. Be the present moment. Just be you. You're not your past. You're just yourself. This way, when you get knocked down, you can get back up again real easy. So what I did is, yeah, I didn't know anything about real estate. So I took seven, eight months to learn. I treated it like school. It was just like I got up every day. I did my workout routine, and then I hit the books, and I learned what's a burr. What's private lending? How does private mortgages work? How do I uh, qualify when I'm not qualifiable? How do I get a mortgage? Um, you know, how do I convert the single family home into a duplex, which is how I started investing in real estate. And then once I had the confidence and the knowledge to move forward, I moved forward. But you can't just move forward. <laughs> First of all, you got to be a solid person. Second of all, you got to know what you're doing. And third of all, thirdly, you need to do it. And if your why is strong enough, you'll do it. So I love all of those things that you just said. And actually, I want to challenge the audience a little bit here with, um, you know, the story that you tell yourself of who you are. Explore that a little bit. Because a lot of times we paint a picture of ourselves that is not congruent with who we are or who we ultimately want to be. And so I think it's really important to re explore that and not be scared. There's no right or wrong answer. So I, I, you know, don't be scared about what you might discover because if you do see something that you don't necessarily like or agree with, then that is the first, like that awareness is the first step to making a change to make it, you know, to evolve and to become a better version of yourself. So I love that. Um, you know, so number one is understanding yourself, you said, um, who you are and, or who you are not even, uh, number two, you said is get the tools, the education in order to be able to do what you need 
to know what you need to know in order to number three, implement. And I think that's the part too, a lot of people miss, they get that education, but then they, they're too scared to implement. And I think you just, that's where the passion and the belief in yourself comes into play, where believe that I know and, and tune out all of those naysayers and start putting what you've learned to work. And so I, I, I just want to thank you, Nick, for sharing your story. And I, and I think a lot of people are going to be able to identify with the challenges that, that you had. And I just commend you for not letting that define you, who you are as a person and allowing it to be your story, which is very, very different. Um, if people wanted to connect. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Absolutely. So if people wanted to connect with you, um, Nick, um, you have a website, nickscalcos.com. So it's Nick, N-I-C-K, Scalcos, S-K-A-L-K-O-S.com. Um, they can check your profile out there. We also have an About Nick page on our podcast website where um, you can click there and all of the links, the bio, everything else will be there. So you can find out a little bit more about Nick. And you can also just check them out on, on Facebook, find them on Facebook. Um, and, uh, and then you can send him a message if you want to connect with him. But uh, you know what, Nick, I really think um, your story will really resonate with a lot of people who have had the same struggles that you had. And maybe uh, instead of allowing their story being a story, they allowed their story to make them a victim. And making that mindset shift is uh, is just critical. And you know what? I just want to put that out there too. Um, we are influenced by our environment. So in order to make that mindset shift, a lot of times you have to start within your environment because it's really hard to change how you think when you're around others that are just not in alignment with where you want to go. So or how you want to you know how you want to think and believe. So I think um, that's pretty powerful too. Um, there's a couple of bomb drops that you did, and I want to put out an aha moment there. Um, you said, and I quote, 90%, 98% of our thoughts are useless. And so I just want to put that out there because really, I think when people can buy into that, because that's something that, you know, we always think, uh, we always think we're right. That's just in our nature, our human nature. But when you start challenging your thoughts and go, you know what, that's a useless thought, or I don't need that, or I don't need to buy into that or believe into that, I think that is really critical. So 98% of our thoughts are useless. Thank you so much, Nick, for coming on and sharing your story with us. And uh, I'd love to have you back and, and see how you're doing. Thank you. I love it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Everyone, remember, be grateful every minute, every morning you wake up. It'll save the day. Woo, woo. And yes. I would be grateful to all of you if you could support us and hit the like button, share this uh, podcast, or even subscribe to it if it's something that you'd love to follow. So thank you so much, everybody. This is Danielle Chason for the Let's Get Real podcast, and uh, we will see you on the next one. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast and congratulations on improving your education real estate. Please leave a review only if you felt we provided value as it would really help us if you would leave a five-star review so that we can help reach a broader audience. And don't forget to comment what you enjoyed and tell us what you are looking to learn more about. As always, thanks for your support and we'll see you on the next episode.